Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Today's guest is the founder of the Safe Blood Donation. For over 20 years, he has been in the medical field of studies, focusing on naturopath and many different kinds of natural healing methods. He runs a naturopathic clinic and focuses on viruses, bacteria, and vaccine damage. And for the past 10 years, he has run a health resort in Thailand. Please welcome to the show, George Telapietra. George, how are you? Thank you. Hi, Michael. I'm very well. Thanks for the invitation. Pleasure is all mine. I'm very excited to learn from you today and hear a bit about your story. Why don't you first kind of tell us a little bit about how you founded Safe Blood and maybe a bit about your history in naturopath? Good. The backstory would be longer than this interview is supposed to be. So I will just concentrate on a few stations in my life which have a relation to Safe Blood. I've been a journalist for about 15 years. So I was used to ask questions. I'm a very curious person by nature, so I always want to go to the ground of things. But I also, as you said in the beginning, of course, I did a lot of things in the medical field. I had my clinics. I was specialized in my clinics on virus, bacteria, and vaccination damage. And when I came back from Thailand, I was actually thinking I, I retire and maybe I make a bit of music. I'm also a musician. So I had concerts planned the year 2020 when the whole madness started. They were all cancelled because, I mean, I do not play for only vaccinated or masked people. This is not what I do. Either everybody can come or nobody. So I cancelled all the concerts. And I had some free time. I had actually a couple of other interesting projects which I wanted to do. But it came very different because I've seen at the, I think it was mid-21, for the first time, a dark field microscopy picture of a vaccinated person. Also somebody who got the mRNA vaccine. And since I worked a lot with Darkfield in my clinics, I was shocked. I cannot say it other than I was shocked because what I have seen is a picture of the blood of somebody. It looked like a final cancer stage person. Also really, really bad. But it was obviously a healthy person, received just a shot. That was it. And so I got very curious. I mean, I was suspicious before already because this this whole pandemics 
it was it was really really not not making any sense to me. It was contrary to everything I ever studied and what I've seen in my clinic. So there was something strange going on. But I said, okay, we don't know exactly what it is, and so let's say maybe there is indeed something going on. But when then the vaccines were rolled out to actually to vaccinate people against something which was not necessary in the first place and in the second place turned out was not effective at all. It did not prevent from getting a virus, an infection. It did not prevent you from giving it to somebody else. So what's the point of a vaccine if it doesn't work? So absolutely no way. But at the same time, I've seen the potential damage. And then I did more research and I seen more of these pictures, videos. I connected to some people. I've seen the German pathology conference at that time, German doctors and not just nobody's like me, but really the cracks in, in the business. They have made documentations, three-hour documentations with hundreds of cases. So we have seen there is a lot of evidence we have to be concerned about this. And this was actually the reason why I started the whole thing, because I was thinking, okay, if you don't want the vax, you say no. Most people could do it, unfortunately, not everybody. But when I've seen then that through the blood, you can actually get it through the back door, because if you get vaccinated blood, the spikes and whatever you, you name it is still in the blood. So you will get it whether you want or not. Still, I was thinking, yeah, maybe it's not that bad. So if I ever have to go to hospital, I just take my brother as a blood donor, right? He's not vaccinated. So yeah. And I was shocked to learn that this is not possible anymore anywhere in Europe. In other places like in the United States, where we are very well on the way right now, this is possible, but in Europe it's not. And I knew that five years ago it was possible. In every hospital, you could do it. Suddenly not. You could not even donate your own blood anymore, which is the best compatible blood for yourself, definitely. No medical reason for it. Everything a bit strange. And then I said, okay, it's time to do something. We have to stand up and make sure that we get the rights back, which we had five years ago. And that's all I want. Give people the right to choose back. They had it. Well, that's incredible. And I first want to put it out there that in today's conversation, in today's episode, we are not attacking anybody that decided to get the vaccine. This is not about shaming any people. And I also know that I have had a lot of clients and friends who got the first shot and now actually feel quite guilty about it. And I just want to come out and just say, like, forgive yourself for these types of things because, you know, there was a lot of pressure. There's a lot of confusion. And this has been a giant psyop, I think, from the very beginning. It's been a lot of misinformation out there. And I don't want to see this become a huge divisive issue between those who are vaccinated and those who are not vaccinated. So I want to put that out there right at the very beginning. But I think that you finished your story there at a very important note. It's about people having the choice to do what they feel is best with their body. As a libertarian, the first thing that we own in our lives is our body. There is nothing before that. So I think that the right to make a decision, an informed decision about how we handle these types of things, what we put into our body, I think is so vitally important. So I think that those are some of the main things that I want to discuss today and, and really understand what's happening in the world. Now, I guess my first real question for you is, 
Why do you think in Europe over the last five years it has become prohibited from donating your own blood or choosing your blood donor? Well, I was really trying to understand what's going on because as, as a curious journalist, like I said, I wanted to know what's going on. And as, as a medical professional, I have seen no explanation. There is no medical reason for anything which of these crazy things which happened the past two years. No explanation. And then, of course, you start to think either I'm crazy or or there is something bigger going on. And unfortunately, I have to say it's all part of a bigger agenda. Because why would you want the to get people the vax through the back door? Because they got like 70, 80% already. So whatever they wanted, they did very well, I must say. Congratulations, well planned, well executed. And then the ones who don't want it, sooner or later we get them through the back door. So it's about getting control, getting everybody to do what they want. And when I say they, I don't want to name them by name, but there is a couple of billionaire psychopaths which are thinking they need to control the world. And they have an agenda which in earlier times was a hidden agenda. Now it's not even hidden anymore. All the information is out. They say it on videos. They say it right now. We have the WEF in Switzerland today, right? And I mean, there are all these the biggest criminals gathered together and join, make that package and things like this in front of the whole world. And the world applauds and say, fantastic, you want something good for us. Personally, because I have no other explanation than I did a lot of research and since everything is open today, if you research a little bit, you are able to give yourself your own answers to that. Now, do you believe then that if these types of laws started to change five years ago in Europe, that they already knew at that time what was going to happen? Like, this is not a coincidence, for example. Thank you very much for this very important question, because it implements that laws would have changed. They haven't. There is no law. That's the next thing which I was really shocked about. In uh, all over the world, I was looking for, for laws because wherever we go when we expand to a new country, first thing is we check the laws, right? And the policies. And I found last week, actually, for the first time, a country where it's explicitly forbidden to do a directed donation, donation which is Dubai. Ironically, because Dubai is a medical hub, we wanted to introduce it as a medical hub, actually, where people could go and, and do their surgeries. And exactly in Dubai, it's forbidden. In all other countries, I have not seen any laws changing. So people think it is a law and hospitals tell their patients, I'm sorry, we cannot do it. It's forbidden by law. This is a lie. They simply lie to you, which is scandalous, of course. So it's not a question of law. It's a question of policies. For instance, in Germany, we have the Robert Koch Institute. This is a private institute. Yes, they, they give consultations to the government, but it's a private institute. They have no jurisdictional anything, right? So, And they recommend to their members, which are mainly hospitals, that we don't do the directed donations anymore, not even autologous donations. Again, for no medical reason, but very important, there are no laws. It's a policy of the hospitals. I am surprised to hear that about Dubai. I mean, I lived in the UAE in the United Arab Emirates for eight years, and they do really want to brand themselves as a medical tourism destination. They have very highly skilled 
doctors and some of the best facilities on planet Earth. And I know that lots of people from neighboring GCC countries were from India or Pakistan. People are often traveling there specifically to get procedures done. So you would think also a country, a Muslim country, an Islamic country would have some type of regulations where actually it was protected that you would be able to decide how you would get your blood donations. So just on religious rights, I think that they would be more open to those things considering how tolerant they are in so many other areas of accepting people into the country. So that is very surprising to hear out of all of the places in the world. Now, I, I can think of probably a dozen places that I would have expected that to come from, but Dubai or the UAE, I'm surprised that it is there. But I guess, can you talk to us then about some of the countries that are being more open to this? Now, you mentioned the United States before. How has that been going and maybe any other countries that you are having success in? Yes, there are luckily very big countries and, and even continents, like for instance, the African continent. In Africa, this is still possible. In South America, it is still possible. If you for if you're in, in Brazil, for instance, and your brother has a surgery, the whole family will go with him, right? And they are all there and they donate blood. That's what happens. And they, in Africa, if you go to a hospital, they even ask you if you could bring your own blood donor because they may not have enough blood. So it's in Africa, they have no idea. I mean, South Africa, like Dubai, is one of the highest developed medical system. People go there for, I mean, people like Dr. Barnett was a very famous guy about heart surgeries. So it's a joke. I mean, they know what they do and they know that it's, there's, as I said, no medical reason to not do the so-called directed donations. Well, okay. On Africa, though, I have a question, though, because I've traveled quite extensively through Africa. I've been to many countries down there on over the last 20 years. I would guess, or my impression would be, that there's so much tribalism in Africa and different groups have had feuds with each other for many, many decades or centuries that probably that they would want to keep things separated. Now, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying a realistic view of what's happening. One tribe might want to keep their blood in in their tribe. I, I don't know how else to say it. I know what you mean. It's not, not only in Africa. I mean, we had the same thing in 1930 in the middle of Europe, in Germany, right? That a certain group wanted to keep their blood among themselves. It's, it's sort of human. To be honest, it's, it does not matter what the reason is. You would buy, do you, if you follow your guts, you would always go to the closest person. The closest person is yourself. So your first choice would always be to donate your own blood and use it later. Then the second best compatible blood, it doesn't matter. So it's not, it does not have to be a racist thing. It's just the best compatible blood with you is your family, your tribe. Your whatever you call it, the closer the better. And so it, it's natural. I haven't had uh, any problems with this in Africa regarding this. However, we, of course, we don't target somewhere a bush hospital. So we, we are talking about if you want to introduce a medical tourism, for instance, to Africa, then it's it's the more developed areas like South Africa where the good hospitals are. And, and there is not a problem. That's not an issue there at all. Well, I bring this up because I know that there has been pushback from certain individuals who are saying that having requests for your blood is racist. What do you think of that? 
Yeah, we have been a lot in the news lately, and I've actually read about our organization that we are close to Nazis because we are talking about pure blood, which is not true. I never, never use the term pure blood at all because pure blood implements that all the other blood is unpure and it's not up to me to say what is pure or not. We all always talk only about mRNA-free blood. That's all. And we also, I'm very happy you said this right in the beginning, we don't want to divide the population again in, into vexed and unvexed people. We don't do it at all. We have members that, that are vaccinated and we welcome them as well as the other ones. And you said it yourself, the majority of the people are vaccinated. I'm not a judge. I don't say you did something wrong, right? I did many wrong things in my life and, and I'm happy people forgive me for it. So I don't want to judge anybody and I don't want to be judged. So that's the thing. Everybody is welcome, very important. But we make a difference between the blood, just between the blood of the vaccinated and unvaccinated, purely for medical reason. And to be honest, even if I would be pro-vaccine, the fact that people are not able to choose by themselves would be enough for me to become active and fight for them. Mm -hmm. Well, so this is another interesting point. I have been traveling around the world for over 23 years now, nonstop. I started traveling as a teenager, and I remember going to special medical travel doctors and requesting vaccines for all of the places that I would be going. So I had rabies vaccines. I had to have my yellow fever vaccine. I had to have many things because, I, like I said, I traveled extensively through Latin America, through Africa, through Southeast Asia, through all of these types of places. And throughout my life, I have had all of these types of shots that have what I believe to keep me safe. It wasn't until the last three years that I started to really look at all of these types of things. So I guess my question for you then is, when we talk about safe blood and these types of things, are you talking about childhood vaccines? Are you talking about ones like the yellow fever vaccines? Or are you talking specifically about vaccines that have come out in the last three years? Okay, Mikkel, we see you got plenty of vaccines because when you travel, you have to, and you're still alive and you look relatively healthy. I think you were lucky. In my clinic, I was aware of problems with vaccinations, even with the old ones. Vaccines per se are something which can be very critical, can be very helpful. The idea is genius, right? A vaccine, you put a part of the, of the infection in to have the immune system fight against it. Genius. The problem is that we gave this to the pharma industry to take care of, and they're not really the ones who are interested in you being healthy. So they mixed aluminium, all mercury, you name it. Everything is in these vaccines. And you obviously have a very good the immune system, you got rid of it. So there was always a little bit of game with vaccines, but I was not really against vaccines because I liked the idea. What happened since two and a half years, we have a new generation of vaccines. There was a time when vaccines were tried like 10 years on animals and things like this. And suddenly we have an mRNA technique, which is a totally different technique. It's a bit very complicated to explain what it actually is. But let's say for the first time in human history, we put something into our body which alters the DNA because the mRNA technique is targeting your very own DNA. And if this would have been tested for like 20 years, 
and showed some benefits, fine. So why not? Our DNA always changed over, over thousands of years, but, but it was not tested. Or let's say like this, Switzerland, Professor Hawkins. He was one of the guys who was actually working for 10 years on developing mRNA vaccines. And he stopped after 10 years. He said, it's too dangerous. We cannot get rid of the side effects. It's not possible. He had to escape Germany in the end. He's now in Switzerland. His bank accounts were frozen. He's one of the cracks. He's a specialist. And he was not able to say anymore what he wanted to say. So obviously, there is a problem with mRNA vaccinations. They are not tested. They are being tested right now on the whole world's population. And this cannot be. Well, I think that's very interesting because... I think that many people are in the similar situation that I am. They got childhood vaccines. They got vaccines because they thought that this is something really good and it was really going to protect them. But I think that most people have had their eyes opened over the last two and a half, three years. And so I guess that's some of my point at the beginning with forgiveness on these types of things, because there's been so many pieces of the puzzle that have really become out in the open recently as you had said these are not secret agendas these are not hidden they're making videos about it it's out there and they're being applauded for it i mean it is a very bizarre situation and it's very confusing for a lot of people but i guess let's circle back to the topic of countries because i kind of interrupted you because i thought it was an important point to make while we had the opportunity to make it because i want to be very clear about things in this interview. I want to be very, very crystal clear on these types of things. But let's go back to some of the countries, countries, regions, areas that you have seen that we are having success in regaining some of our freedom in this regard. Yes. We started in the United States relatively late because we don't choose where we go. We go where people call us. So I get a, an email do you do this in, in Nicaragua, for instance, and say, yeah, we have three members, but no team yet, and then we, we make a team. And in the United States, it took off very fast, and I was very interested because I heard that in Texas, there are clinics that allow you to choose the blood donor. Exactly in Texas, you know, they have the gun law and everything. They're very conservative, and we live in democratic Switzerland and think we have all the freedom but there they do it. So we started to build the United States and we found out in the United States, you can actually choose your blood donor. The thing is, they will not welcome you, maybe. It's not that they say, oh, you're an anti-vaxxer. Come on, of course you can choose. But let's say you go to a clinic in Texas and you say you want to choose your own blood donor. And they say, no, we don't do this here. Then you just go to the next clinic. The third one will be one which accepts you. If you do the same thing in Europe, nobody will accept you. But in America, yes. So they have much, much more freedom. We had right now, one of our members is being operated, is now undergoing the surgery today, who had blood packs ready from donors, ready because the clinic said, yes, of course you can do it. It's fantastic. I'm very, very happy about this. We do this now all the time in America. It's possible. The problem is only that to get into the United States, you still have to be 
vaccinated. It's, of course, a joke. So for us, it, it does not really help us. This is why we're focusing right now on Mexico, because, for instance, for our Canadian friends or Canadian members, Canada is very tough, like Australia, no chance, no choice, no nothing. So we want to bring them to America, of course, and they have to fly to Mexico first and then use the land to go into Texas. But it's everything is possible. So we can we can do it even now. We're blocked right now in Mexico. For the first time, our website is blocked. So if you try to access Safe Blood in Mexico, nothing comes up. But they cannot stop us. They try it, of course, and we, we expected this sooner or later. Not in Mexico, to be honest, but I expected it somewhere. And this does not really stop us. We are right now building up a medical tourism in uh, Mexico, especially, of course, because lots of expats are living there and they don't want this. So um, we will be ready in Mexico very soon, as we are already in the United States. Well, that is so interesting. I'm a Canadian citizen. I was born and raised in Canada. And as a Canadian, you are taught that this is the freest country in the world and the most open country in the world and the most accepting country in the world. And what an interesting change that has been. Canadians used to be probably about 5% of my business for relocating and going offshore and becoming expats. The majority of people who come to me are, are seeking freedom. They're, they're looking for a bit more freedom in their life. Canadians were about 5%. Now they're about 60% of my business. And you compare this to the United States, which is 10 times the size population-wise. And Canadians... so have just gone through the roof. And I'll tell a very, very quick anecdote. Um, I work with a law firm in Canada, a very small boutique law firm, tax firm. And he was talking, I was talking to the lawyer the other day and he says, just in our small firm, in the last couple of months, we have over a billion dollars worth of capital flight. So these are wealthy families who are leaving Canada for greener pastures, for countries that have more freedom and they're taking their money with them. And the government doesn't seem to understand what's happening. As tyranny keeps going further and further and more rules and more regulations and less opportunity for people to live their lives, they're losing out and they're losing out on their tax base, which means that they're going to end up putting taxes higher, which means more people will end up leaving. It's this death spiral, which is happening in Canada and in other countries in the world. And the majority of the people that I help are moving down to Latin America. This is where we're seeing a semblance of freedom still exist. So it's interesting that you had mentioned Nicaragua earlier, that you had mentioned Mexico. I'm based in Panama. I'm very curious about this region and what will be happening here. And we talked a little bit about Brazil as well. My son was born in Brazil. My wife and I did birth tourism in Brazil and used to live down there. And so it's these types of countries that are showing themselves to have a lot more freedom for people like us. It's interesting that these types of country, we are not very active yet. And for, for the simple reason, because for them, it's not a big issue because they can still do it. But I'm, I'm approached right now by almost all South American countries from people who say, yes, I want to build up safe blood there, but mainly because there are expats living. For the locals, they don't do it. They know we can do it. For them, it's really not a big issue. So we were looking at countries like Canada or Australia with extreme measures during the whole COVID thing. And I said, how can they let Trudeau do this? I mean, it's un unbelievable what happened in, in Canada. These were countries, I mean, Canada, where people moved to, they were looking for freedom or 
Australia was was a colony of prisoners in the beginning, so they want freedom, of course, New Zealand, even worse. So we did not understand the world anymore, what was going on. But as you said, the bigger the repressions, the bigger the resistance, of course. So we have a very strong Australian team, we have a very strong team in Canada, but we know also that in Canada or in Australia, we cannot have our hopes too high. We will have the whole South American continent. We will be able to be one. But in these countries, Canada, Australia, Germany, petitions have gone mad. They never had the worse government in Germany, for instance, than now. It's, I do you think that's a couple of mad people leading the country down the hill in high speed and nobody stops them but the resistance is growing it's coming i hope they get it in time well you mentioned new zealand i read about a very sad case in new zealand i'm guessing you know what i refer to about the baby will yeah can you tell that story even just in a nutshell okay unfortunately i have to say it's not the saddest story because in the end, it was obviously a success. We are not 100% sure about it yet. But I mean, the whole story is horrifying, of course. So you have a baby. This baby needs a surgery, or at least they tell you this baby needs a surgery. They got a second opinion later, which said it was actually not even necessary. But they tell you it's necessary. And the, the parents say, yes, fine. But we don't want vaccinated blood for our kid. We give them our own blood. And the government and everybody says, no, we don't do this because it goes against the narrative which is out. Because if they allow you to do it, they have to confess that there might be a problem existing, which, of course, they say is not. So what happened, unfortunately, they went so public that the government in the end did not even have the choice anymore to say no. You are not allowed to do it because it was in big publicity worldwide. So what happened, the most tragic thing you can imagine, they took uh, the baby away from their parents. They did not even have the, the authority over their baby anymore. They took the guardianship away from the parents. They did the surgery. They gave the baby a blood pack, actually, during the surgery. And after that, they gave it back to the parents. I mean, this is, and, and I know a lot of uh, stories which went on that really they took the baby out of the mother's arms and with force. And so it's, you don't believe it. There will be a movie one day out and then this will be, you will have tears when you, when you see this movie. Anyway, in the end, it turned out the baby is well, obviously. So what we suspect that they probably got unvaccinated blood in the end because the baby is well. While in America, we had the same case, exactly the same case, and, it, and the baby died in the end. So we have a couple of very tragic cases, and they are not, it's not the only one. For instance, in one of our Australian team, she had exactly the same thing. Her baby died and she decided she stands up. She's now in our team. She says, I'd rather fight than only cry. But these, I mean, these are stories. They're unbelievable. And with the one in America, it was clear. I mean, they showed the pictures. It was blood clots in a baby, which normally does not happen. And several babies died. And people like Professor Bhakti, one of, one of the biggest ones, he says there will be many, many babies dying, actually, because also from the parents, from the mother to the baby, the vaccines are 
and transfer it even through the mother milk, it's a big thing and it will get much worse because now we are only talking about the COVID vaccine. But the WHO has announced until the year 2030, 500 new vaccines will be rolled out on mRNA basis. 500 in less than 10 years. Good night, right? Wow. Listen, I need your help for a second. Can you pause this episode right now and go to your favorite podcasting app and leave the Expat Money Show a review? Now, the biggest podcasting app in the world and the easiest one to do this on is Apple Podcasts. So if you have an iPhone, then it should be pretty straightforward. Otherwise, if you're on a desktop or a laptop, you might need to have iTunes to be able to do that. But if you go and search on expatmoneyshow.com, find the podcast and see if there's a place to leave a review. We really appreciate it. What this does is it allows other people to know that this show has value and they should check it out. We are trying to spread the word and spread freedom. And the best way I know how to do that is to move offshore and become an expat. That is the best vehicle in the world. So we're building a super strong community. We are helping thousands of people to do that. And I want you to do your part. So please do me this favor. Leave the Expat Money Show a review. Let us know what you think. And yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. With the New Zealand story, I know that there is a video out there of them taking the child away. I can't watch it. I just, it would be too much for me. So do you have children, Nicole? Yeah, I have an almost two-year-old boy, 18-month-old boy and six and a half-year-old little girl. So just the thought of it, just confiscating your child and just saying that it is the property of the state and just taking it out of the mother's arms just makes me want to vomit. It just absolutely makes me so sick and so angry. Yeah, I just can't watch. Now, I have a very dear friend. I won't say his name on the program, but an influential and very wealthy individual who lives in New Zealand. And we talked about this case. And he knows well, I won't say for a fact, but he knows that they gave unvaccinated blood to the baby because if something had have happened and it was so public that it would have been game over for them. So they actually respected the parents' wishes, but wouldn't admit that they respected the parents' wishes on this because if something had bad had happened, then they would have been on the hook for it. Totally agree. And this is the pressure which is now to feel everywhere. For instance... We asked 600 hospitals in Germany and Switzerland, what is their policy with, with unvaccinated? Can they choose their blood donor? All of them said, no, we don't let the, the patient choose. And so we would say we are on, on lost terrain there. But we had several successful, actually, mediations where, in fact, it happened in the end, but these hospitals do not want to be mentioned. They say only if you do not mention us to anybody, because they're all afraid, they're under extreme repressions. So because they all they also know that as soon as we have the first hospital, which openly says, yes, we are a partner of Safe Blood, and they're on our website, then the whole dam will break. All the other ones will come too. Hmm. So explain the process now for how Safe Blood is functioning and you know, what the steps are for these types of things. Because if the hospitals themselves cannot go public with it, I want to understand more about 
how you are having success then? Okay, let's start with the success in the United States. So in the United States, it works. We started as a referral program, actually. We said we share between potential donors and potential receivers because we are not a blood bank. We also don't want to be a blood bank. This is, let's say, 5% of our aim is a blood bank. But we want to bring them together. And it works in a way that you, if you're a member of us, and you need blood, you know, you have surgery coming up in two weeks, you go to search a blood donor on our website, and then you can see where you live, and you have 10 matches in Indiana, where you live, for instance. And directly on the website, you click a button, which will send a message to us. Our system brings you together with these donors, and this goes pretty much automatically. You are connected, and then the hospital will probably tell them to come and in for a blood donation. That's how it works in the United States. In Europe, no chance like this. So what are we focusing on, actually? First thing is information about the mRNA vaccines, about the danger of these vaccines, and giving the people the choice, putting pressure on medical system, political system, to make sure that one day they will have the choice again. But this does not help the people in the meantime. So what we are doing is mainly information about options. So if they write me, what can I do? And then we say, okay, um, let's see. From my point of view, most transfusions which are carried out today are unnecessary. It's part of the business and they just do it because they think it's easy and it's they make a lot of money with it and it probably saves lives, right? That's what the Red Cross says. Give blood, save lives. This is not proven, to be honest, that transfusions in the first place are a good thing at all. But however, let's accept it, they exist. And But my main aim is actually to avoid as many transfusions in the first place as possible. So what we do, we give our members options. We inform them, for instance, of a procedure which is called autotransfusion. This is when you are on the hospital bed and they do your surgery, you lose blood and they immediately bring your own blood, which you have lost, back in your blood circulation. This is a genius thing, actually. With only this, you can avoid 80% of transfusions. The nice thing is you don't even have to tell the hospital you're an anti-vaxxer. You just say, like we do it in our members' living will, it's written that the hospital in the first place has to try autotransfusion. They have the equipment, they know how to do it. Normally they don't, but if you ask for it, they will. And if it's in your living will, which is a legally binding document, they have to. So what happens now, we have in, in many places, we have clinics where members already successfully had surgery. And the nice thing is, up to today, actually, there was not one single case, even though we did lots of mediations, where the blood was needed in the end. We did not need one single transfusion. We could prevent them all in the first place. And this is the fantastic thing. So if people now ask me, why should I become a member? You cannot choose anyway. I say, let's look at the options you have. You don't have to become a member to have these options. On our website, you can just print a sample, which we have. Everybody can look at it. Living will. And then you write it yourself. But what we offer is this whole package. Like we really take care of you. We, we write to you. We look out for you. And we give you all this information. And 
We also bring people together, for instance, in the United States. There are people with a rare blood type, O minus, for instance. They say, I don't need blood now, but I would like to connect to potential donors. We bring them together. They get to know each other. They go and have dinner together. And then, you know, if I have something, this guy will give me his blood. Fantastic. And there are friendships coming out of this. It's actually very fantastic. So we have a couple of focus we are really emphasizing on. And to avoid transfusions in the first place, it's by far the most important thing. Well, that is so incredible because I don't think that most people would realize that the auto transfusion is actually an option and is very effective. So a lot of this is just making people understanding what is out there and the procedures that are out there. And you are correct with this being a business. People have to understand that people are making money from everything. And although there's the Hippocratic Oath, I think that a lot of times it's not followed. I mean, if we look at the last three years and what has been done and the silencing in the medical profession and people who have tried to stand up and say that this is wrong, you know, that not everybody has our best interests at heart. So it's important to know what the laws are, what the options are, and what your rights are, and then be pragmatic about these types of things and, and look at them in advance. Now, I want to understand a little bit about the process. So if someone is going to go and put their name forward and look for others, how can they be sure that if they do need to get a transfusion at one point, that the person that they are getting it from is truly unvaccinated? They cannot know, to be honest. There is no scientifically recognized laboratory testing method until today, which guarantees this is vaccinated or unvaccinated blood from a medical Western point of view. Like, let's take the PCR test, for instance, recognized worldwide, state-of-the-art, it's the basic for the whole fake pandemic we had, is the PCR test, recognized scientifically, and everybody knows it's for nothing. So I'm not really focusing, to be honest, anymore on wanting to prove to Pfizer and Moderna that their things are bad. It should be the other way around. They should have to prove to us that it's actually not dangerous like it used to be since uh, until a few years ago. However, for us, we have the dark field microscopy. So we can say 100% as a naturopath, you know what you see, you see it with your own eyes. So we can test, of course. However, we, the dark field microscopy is a procedure. It takes an hour. You see, you go to see a naturopath. It's not a five-minute quick test, which you do before you get a transfusion. This test, hopefully we will have it one day. I would say six months to a year, and then we have something like this. We don't have it now. So what we do is we bring people together. You enroll as a member. Why would you enroll in the first place? Not because it's uh, boring and you have nothing to do, because you have been subject of really bad things going on the last two years. You have maybe lost friends, your business, some livelihood, anything. These are our members. They Otherwise, they would go somewhere else. So they come to us and then have to make a, go through a quite complicated procedure. They have to, lot, to answer a lot of questions. Among others, they have to state their vaccination status and they have to sign that they are aware it's a criminal offense if they give wrong status. 
So things like this, then you have to upload your ID card, any kind of identification. We verify this. We make sure that you're a real human being. You have to answer lots of questions about your health, about your, yourself as a person. You have to pay a membership fee. It's up to you how much you pay, whether it's $50 or if it's only one, but you have to take your credit card and again, verify who you are. So we know who our members are. And even though that the past two years have taught us actually don't trust nobody, I still have a certain trust in our community because I understand Safe Blood as a worldwide community of people who know exactly why they are here. They don't want to be cheated by somebody else. No, they don't want to. They also don't cheat somebody else. That's, of course, the case. So I simply trust our members that they are indeed not vaccinated. If they say so, some say I'm vaccinated. They can still receive blood, but they cannot donate. And that's the nice thing. I mean, I got lots of emails that said, why do you accept vaccinated people? And then I said... I'm not a judge. So if you think we should not accept them, then you are in the wrong place with us. I will never divide people again as it as they have suffered the past two years. So short answer, it's not possible to prove it. For us, from a naturopathic point of view, with our method, it's possible. If you're very suspicious, then you can still say, when I get, when I receive, the donation, I can then make the dark field test microscopy. Nobody wanted this so far. And as I just said before, we did not even use the blood in one single case yet because it could be avoided in, in the first place before. Well, because of the education, because of the important work that you're doing, that this has been, we've been able to avoid this. So that's fantastic. Now, to your point about knowing and understanding who the members are, I understand this. I run a very large community and a very close community, very tight-knit community. This is not just a podcast or a Facebook group or something like that. I mean, we have huge events with hundreds of people who come to them. People fly from all over the world. We do trips together. I do consulting. You know, the a lot of my clients and my subscribers are friends. And when you become an expat and you live overseas and you've left everything that you know behind, you are looking for a tribe. You're looking for a family. And I really feel like our family of expats, we're all connected. So there has to be certain amounts of trust there. You know, the people that we have in our community, we get a chance to see them. We get a chance to meet them. These are ethical, honest people. These are people with morals. So I understand that as building a community, there will have to be a leap of faith with trust with these types of things. But then you try to speak to the people and meet them yourself and then make these types of decisions. And it will always come down to what you are most comfortable with. None of these things are by force. You know, we try to help and facilitate and be there for one another. But at no point is this you are being forced to do one thing or another. I'm very happy you say this because if I come to the point where I cannot trust nobody anymore, then you can give me the vaccine because I don't want to live a life like this. And we, our approach is we try to be very positive. You can find 100 arguments. There could be something else in the blood and things like you can find them. But the biggest power we have is love and trust. And with this, everything is possible. And if this is not the basis of what you're doing, 
you're on the wrong ship anyway, I think. So we should not forget that we have an incredible power with a positive attitude. And I remember one and a half years ago when I started, everybody said, George, you're crazy. This will never work. You go against the whole mainstream. You go against the governments, the medical mainstream. You go against everybody. You have no chance. And I said, okay, let's do it. Ha! And we're still far away from what we want because we want health freedom for everybody everywhere. But we're well on our way, I would say. Well, I think that all around us, institutions are crumbling and people don't trust anything anymore, you know, not even one another. And I think that you make a very important point that we do have to trust one another. And this does come from a place of love. I am very much an optimistic person. I deal with many dark things on our program and what's happening in the world, but my focus is always on solutions. Like I hope people realize that when they listen to this program. I don't spend all day long complaining about problems that are out there in the world. I want to bring on excellent people like you, George, who have real life solutions. It's not about being perfect with these types of things. It's about having more freedom in our life and moving the ball downfield. We want to put these things in place. These are solutions that people can take right now. And piece by piece by piece, we are regaining our freedom for these things. But with all of this, you have to take the first step. You have to work with other people. You have to build the community and put yourself out there. I know sometimes it is hard. I know sometimes it is challenging. But when you do take this step, there are people there, good people, to support you through all of these types of things. So we're getting close to the end of our interview, George. And first of all, I just want to say thank you, because I really mean this from the bottom of my heart. The work you're doing is so important, and I don't even know how to put it into words. It's just this thing that you give me so much hope, you know, and when I hear your story and about what you have gone through and what you went through with, you know, moving countries and then just deciding, you know what, no one else is doing this. I'm going to be the one to stand up and put my name out there and put my reputation on the line and my life on the line to do these types of things to help people. Thank you. Thank you very much for all of us. Okay. Let me give this back to you, Mikael, because... If we would not have people like you, journalists who are working in, I would not say in the dark, but away from the mainstream, because journalism these days is happening not in the mainstream anymore. We were used to watch BBC and we believed what they said, right? And real journalism right now is happening only with people like you. And in your case, especially, you have been writing an article about us previously, which I must say is amazing. It was journalism of old school research you were asking the right question and in the end you made a big thing which was looking at the cake from all sides the best ever written about us this is why i had no hesitation to uh, talk with you again because i see you do an amazing job and without people like you us we would have no chance thank you very much so let's clap each other on the shoulder a little bit sometimes we need it right Well, and I hope that people do get a chance to read the article that my team and I put together. You know, we were very grateful for your input. You know, we went back and forth a couple of times, George, on the article to make sure the accuracy was correct. I had a couple of my friends who were independent thinkers, who are MDs, who looked at the article and signed off on it. It was a giant team effort, but I think that it really is helping a lot of people. I think we're getting something like 10,000 people a week right now who are reading this article at expatmoney.com. 
So you will easily find it. It's right on the main page. If you just scroll down on expatmoney.com, you'll be able to check that out. And I will be taking our interview today, George, and I will be embedding in that so that people can get more information. I really want to continue to add to this. And as the story unfolds with this, we want to keep it up to date so that people have a fantastic resource. Now, if my audience want to get a hold of you, if they want to learn more about SafeBlood, where can we send them? Safeblood.net. Very easy. You will find everything. And we have country pages under news. Let's say if you're in Australia, you go then to Australia. It's We are in several languages. Um, so we are really an open book. All our questions are answered in the frequently asked questions sections. Theoretically, you don't have to write me anything. But of course, if you do so, we're happy and we will answer you. We have luckily teams in the United States. They do this now by themselves. So I, I can go to sleep at two o'clock in the morning instead of three. That's nice. I have a little bit more free time. But you'll find everything. Let me add one last thing because since I was a journalist, so first you see what, what's happening in mainstream. You cannot trust nobody anymore. So be careful. Don't stop looking and researching yourself. Amazing. Actually, my last point is if people from my community want to support you guys, if you want to, if they want to give back in ways that they can help, in my audience, we have security expert, web developers, hedge fund managers, lots of wealthy people, wealthy families. If there are ways that people want to give back their skills and their support and help Safe Blood through these types of things, is there a way that they can reach out? Because Earlier in our conversation when we were talking about people's data, I was really thinking, you know, this has to be very well protected. And I think that I have some of the greatest security experts in the world. I know for a fact, listen to my program. So I, I hope that there are ways that they can contribute. Send them because right now the whole website and the whole thing is done by two people only, which is me. And I have a programmer in the background who is really unbelievable what he's doing, but he's uh, reaching out for help all the time because we do this on a voluntary basis. We work for free and not everybody can always work for free. It's unbelievable what he did because we used an, a huge effort to protect our members' data. But let's join effort. So if, if you have some of these guys who are willing to help, yes, please, we can uh, use every help we can get. Thanks a lot. Amazing. George, thank you so much for your time today, and I will talk to you soon. Yes, thank you, Mikael. It was a real pleasure. Um, thank you very much for having me. And if things unfold, we mean we're in a developing thing. You never know. Maybe we need to talk again. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Okay, I am sure that you have heard me talk about it. We were able to acquire expatmoney.com, our new website. We started completely from scratch. Yes, we still have the expatmoneyshow.com website, but it's really being used just for the podcast itself. But obviously, this is much bigger than just a podcast. A podcast is great, and I love this podcast, and I love everybody who's listening to this, but that is only one small piece of the puzzle. If you go to expatmoney.com, our brand new website, you will see a new blog, new webinars, tons of different resources to help you, as well as a shop and a place that you guys can get special consulting services if you want to work with me, if you need a helping hand on this. So go to expatmoney.com, expatmoney.com. Check out the new website, bookmark the website, subscribe to everything there 
and it's going to be amazing. I'm super pumped about it, and I hope you are too. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern time, go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.